Welcome to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and this is a podcast where we talk about marketing. First question, who are you and what do you do? Awesome. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, Jordan. Truly appreciate it. Uh, my name is Colin McGrath. I am the COO of Numa Media, which is a web and SEO agency. I've been on board for just a little bit of time there, and I'm based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Just moved away from Denver, Colorado as well. Oh, wow. Nice. I uh, grew up in Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, so a little bit oh, nice. further from there, but that's cool. Small world, small world. Nice. How has has it been going while well, your kind of transition from your, your previous job into the NUMA team, or how has all that been for you? Yeah, it's been awesome. I know we were chatting a little bit leading up to this, uh, but it's always interesting, like getting on, getting into a new company and figuring out a like how they operate, uh, b what opportunities there are to improve, c just like who the team is and what they're about and and who they are interpersonally. So all all things good, I'd say it's it's a sprint. Uh, Numa Media <laughs> does it feels like they don't they don't stop, but that's exactly why I joined the team. That's that's what I'm looking after. So yeah, I think all things good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't stop coming on this podcast either. We've had a few now <laughs> back on. to back. Yeah. Right. Right. It's awesome. I love you guys. Okay. First question, other than who are you that I love to ask and kind of let this take us maybe a few different ways is, is there anything you're obsessed with in regards to marketing or kind of business right now? It's things you can't stop geeking out, reading about, practitionering about, like anything come to mind? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and it's I'd say maybe marketing adjacent, but I've always been a big advocate for like community-led marketing, community-led um, growth as well. So I I had built a community of my own in 2020. Granted, no longer operating at Numa is my primary focus right now, uh, but ultimately to help uh, writers become better at their better at their craft, better at presenting and, and marketing themselves online. And so I think community-led marketing has always been something that's that's really interesting to me. And it's just always at the at the forefront of my my mind. Uh, I, I think of people um, and how it maybe more translates directly to marketing. Is I think of people like uh, Aman Gatsi. He uh, he's effectively built a community around his agency business uh, and 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 really de-risked um, de-risked future product launches because he's just got this built-in community of people. He's constantly marketing to them, constantly releasing products, and constantly providing value. So. I think that's probably been been the biggest thing that's front of mind over the last year and a half, two years. Nice, nice. Yeah, community marketing, I would say, isn't all the, the buzz, but there's a lot of people talking yeah. about, at least through my conversations. What benefits do you see to community marketing other than obviously the fact that you just said of kind of de-risking or ensuring, you know, future products or future messaging or really anything is validated because you're running it through this community, getting instant feedback. What other benefits are there for kind of doing that community-led marketing um, strategy or just doing more of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think an interesting debacle that a lot of marketers get themselves caught up caught up in is uh, just trying to get as many eyes on on the product as possible and really like just obsessing over social media marketing and it's like throw throw things at a wall hope someone sees it that's and they find it interesting and valuable and maybe they consider buying which is fine it's great like i think social media marketing totally has a place but community feels very value driven like value first it's like hey we're giving you this place where you can ultimately um, ultimately connect with other folks in, in your exact kind of sphere of, of influence, uh, foster relationships, but not only that, like kind of lock them into uh, your ecosystem, whether it be later, later pushing products or truthfully just 
um, building those connections that can hopefully pay dividends down the road. So I think hopefully that kind of answered the question. I think that it, it provides value that lives on past just throwing things at a wall and hoping someone sees it. Mm, yeah, no, I like that. And even to a point you were kind of talking about it, getting people to kind of buy in or enlist into subscribe, join the journey. I think one thing I found is like, that's all great in practice. Like it, you know, when it's working and the machine's fully churning, it's awesome. But man, that's the most difficult thing. Like anybody can throw a LinkedIn post or some post out goes viral. Like that's not easy, but it's not impossible. But to build like a community where people opt in and say, I want to hear from you every day. I want the value. Like that's, it's a very big thing for people to do. And I think one, like, it's a hard thing to do, I should say. And I think one of the things I've found to be, I've, I haven't built a community yet. So obviously it's not from experience, but almost world building. Um, you know, you can look and there's this guy, I follow Ben Settle. He's this direct copywriter. He's super interesting. He does a daily email inspired by daily email, but he talks about how, you know, World of Warcraft or all these other kind of games the reason they're so good or one of the reasons is because they build this world and you just get lost in it. I think there's, there's like a small bit of that that you can apply to marketing community in that sense of building a world of, Hey, we view that B2B marketing is broken and we're, we're bringing in the new rain or we think, you know, open source is a way. So we're going to, you know, and people buy in almost more to the world you're building than per se, Oh, Tim and his company are great. I want to like join their community does anything ring off for you of kind of building a world or having like a narrative that people buy into within the community? Yep. I think uh, that's actually one of the core principles of community building. So yeah, totally like mm. every, everything, everything wrong in, in my head on that one. Um, because if, if you can't get people to rally behind something, there's no one's ever going to be interested in joining the community. I think that's, that's where a lot of people get community and, and even community focused marketing wrong is that it's like, the perception is that you can just throw up a Slack or a Discord channel, throw a bunch of people into a room, and then hope that they're going to end up talking to each other and hope that they find some common theme. But then ultimately what happens is they show up, they've got nothing to rally behind. Um, they've got no um, no real like value that they're driving from the community. And then ultimately they kind of fizzle out and go away as opposed to something exactly like you just said. Uh, we, we had a LinkedIn post pretty recently from the NUMA account and it was um, not, not necessarily like uh, looking down upon other agencies and, and how they do business, but more or less like we're trying to go at it from the perspective like, hey, results first. Uh, we, we really try to like quantify what the output is um, as opposed to just saying like, hey, we're going to throw you on X dollar amount retainer and we're just going to throw things out again and, and hope that it comes somewhere. Um, so we're in, in some ways, I think we're trying to get people to rally behind um, the whole idea, it's like there, there should be some like tangible outcomes and, and we're willing and, and able to serve those up to you. Hopefully that kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it even gets for me to think a little bit about like you guys are an agency, so clearly you could just do work. Like you don't need to be kind of creating this bigger narrative, but I find with companies, you're an agency, but I see similarities with companies that you need to have a bigger kind of movement, a bigger thing than per se the product, per se the services you provide. You need to see something and almost get people to buy in with that narrative because being better today is so hard. For me to say, I want to be a better podcaster than John, that's, that's very hard. But for me to say, I want to be different than John, because I believe podcasts fit in the world this way. And he like, that's where I think companies stand out. So just to your point, I think you guys are doing a good job of starting or have been doing that of kind of being trying to be different and saying, we're not like these other agencies. We don't do things the same way. And then that draws in the people who stand up and say, I see the world the same way, or I believe similar. Let me do work with you. And you're just 
winning off a difference rather than betterment, which is uh, losing game to be like the better person always is. You might be on top once, but yep. yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Spot on. So if you had to define, this is a super easy question. I get very different answers though. If you had to define what is marketing for, like what is the job that marketing should get done in a company? What would be your answer? I think ultimately marketing, marketing should be driving. I think most things in the business, all things in the business should be ultimately driving, getting additional clients, additional customers, additional conversions on, on whatever you're looking to sell. Uh, and, and maybe, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's ultimately it. Driving, driving more people to ultimately um, end up making some sort of decision or subscribe to a newsletter, some, some level of action that will hopefully at least down the road lead to a conversion. Uh, and that, that's kind of a, uh, an expansion on my point earlier where it's like your, your metrics shouldn't necessarily be like post five LinkedIn posts a day or post, um, I mean, those, those leading metrics for sure. But like at the, at the end of the day, you're, you're ultimately trying to empower the sales team to move faster um, to qualify leads for them much easier, uh, not not to just publish things and, and do work. So that's that's sort of how I would define it is ultimately getting potential clients, customers, um, conversions, whatever that might be. Mm. Yeah, I like that definition just from the action point of it. It's getting some sort of action, whether it's opting in, it's saying, yes, I see the world to say it's some sort of action. And you could argue in, inherent in all change is action. Like for me to change my thinking, for me to change the products that I like, there needs to be action and marketing to your point, or at least what I'm grabbing out is almost like that first rung or that first kind of person people that's supposed to draw or get that action and then later on like you said they may convert they may turn into a deal but you're getting action in somewhat some form or fashion and then to your point about metrics having it be more on action-based metrics leading is great like i posted seven times this week it's like that's good but what is the action is there any action coming from that i think that's super key and a simple definition. I think that's the issue with marketing is it can become too complex. We could, you know, it's email, it's all these things where it's just really, what is the, you know, first principle, what's that first order kind of thing of what it should do. And then we can build off that rather than TikTok and all these things that are maybe sixth, seventh order uh, thinking or points. Yeah. It can pretty quickly become distracting. And before you know it, you've got eight different channels that you're pushing content to and you don't really <laughs> understand why or like what the, what the end goal is. Um, and it's not to say that that isn't valuable because we had, and, and Nick maybe even shared this too, our Nick, our, our CMO, but we had a client come on fairly recently um, and, and we had no idea, but he, he came and said, hey, before I made this buying decision, I listened to like nearly every one of your podcasts, which we were obviously very, very excited about. And so there are there is some like hidden wins in the back end where they're like de-risking us in, in some capacity, um, and, and which was obviously awesome to hear. And so I don't want to discount the fact that like there there's value in content distribution, but I do think that a greater emphasis on getting some sort of output um, or some, some, some sort of action actually is is valuable and important. Yeah, that's good. I enjoyed the example uh, just because, yeah, so many times we create content that doesn't drive action in the moment. But later on, if you're doing it right, it should drive some sort of action long term. So you're almost validating, hey, the podcast is working. Let's do this more because of, you know, lagging months later, weeks later, however long. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Can't totally rag on kind of output per se, because no. there are, you know, things you got to do. So I like, I like that. You didn't let me get totally off of bragging <laughs> that. So if you had to, now that we have your definition, we've expanded a bit on it, but now that we have that definition, how do you then use that definition or how do you then create a dichotomy between good marketing and bad marketing, whether it's you creating your marketing for your company or whatever, or you're just sitting on LinkedIn, you're watching TV and you see a marketing ad. How do you think through, oh, that was good. That was bad. Yeah, I think I've, I've got a pretty nuanced uh, opinion on this and might even get a little bit more specific to NUMA and that, and hopefully hopefully that's fine. But um, I think I think it really depends. Like there's there's good and bad marketing and, and bad marketing, I think, is, is largely what I described where it's very, very intentionless. I described earlier, it's a pretty intentionless. You're just throwing things out, hoping it works or putting systems in place that really aren't driving anything that, that you're looking towards as opposed to um, I think good marketing, marketing, which has a very high level of intentionality, you've got some sort of funnel established, some sort of goal, you're constantly tracking metrics against that. I think a, a good example is, um, and, and to give Nick uh, some additional credit, is uh, a, a lot of our clients have come um, through re referral and, and word of mouth or, or um, through largely referrals through our partners and, and other clients that we've worked with. And that was something that we've pretty heavily been zeroing in on over the past couple months. And so like, I think uh, good marketing also involves being agile in that sense too, where um, we hadn't really zeroed in on, on that conclusion up until, um, I mean, it was obvious by looking at the numbers, but really, really focusing on it over the course of the past few months and going, okay, partnerships are something that we find valuable. Um, so we're really, really quick to, to refocus some of our emphasis on finding other folks uh, that would be willing to um, partner with us. I, I, I should probably give some definition to partner or whether it be like a client that came in that we build a little bit more of a relationship with, uh, that we're supporting one another, whether it's it's not even just passing deal flow back and forth, but it's like, hey, I'm building this like knowledge management system, uh, like a, a wiki, wondering if you've ever done this and like just building a little bit of a closer relationship. And so um, I guess to, to kind of close the loop on, on that thought is like good marketing is being agile, seeing what's working and then really, really doubling down on that lever. And so now Nick can take this information that we've identified and look to market to partners as opposed to just like B2B SaaS or, um, or, or just technology companies, wherever it might be. It's like adding a, another persona into the mix, which is valuable for mm -hmm. having success with it. Oh, definitely. And uh, we'll touch on that in a second. I want to go back to something else you said about the goals. I think that's something I've heard now a few times is it's really the difference is, is bad to good marketing. It might not be totally different execution and the tactics that are being used, but one is being more regularly, totally said that wrong, um, kind of like adjusted or met against the like a benchmark, a goal or something where you have kind of more or less aimless. It's like we're doing these things but we're not sure. And that leads perfectly into your final point with saying, which saying, okay, we have goals, we have data kind of on if we're reaching or whatever, but then also being quick. I like to say, you know, strong beliefs held lightly kind of saying, all right, I thought it was this channel, LinkedIn, whatever, but really the data, the, the metrics are showing us this is a channel partners. That's a channel we need to go into and being quick to pivot, being quick to say, hey, we're going to refocus, as you said. And I think one thing I found a lot of value from, I haven't read a ton of books on it, but just taking a scientific thought process to marketing and not in the way of like meticulous or detail or that, just in the fact that in, with science, 
they're much more likely to try to prove something incorrect, wrong. Like I want to prove it wrong where I find a lot in marketing. You can totally see this in SaaS where people are building products. They almost find information that confirms it rather than to say, hey, I'm going to try as hard as I can to prove this wrong. And then we can pivot and we can get a better hypothesis or whatever. Do you, have you found, and I don't know if like you're a science guy, I wasn't in co- like high school or college, but I found that kind of thinking to help with doing some of the things you were saying of the goals and the pivoting and refocusing. I totally agree. I think having um, a, a scientific, if not like a surgical approach at times is extremely valuable. A lot of my background or um, early background and experience where I've spent a lot of time on is analytics largely. And so I think I just mm-hmm. naturally approach most problems with a little bit of like an analytical mindset. And so it's it's incredibly important. I, it is probably sort of marketing 101, but even just like getting to a point um, I guess to even double click on, on what bad marketing is, it's someone that just doesn't really have any idea, like they can't attribute um, a lead to any particular source. It's like people are just floating in, making purchasing decisions, um, and, and we're not taking anything away from that. So I guess I, maybe that is a little bit of the degree of intentionality, but if you're not collecting data mm-hmm. on um, your customer personas or and you're not making it actionable in any capacity, that to me is, is really bad marketing. So um I guess I kind of took that on a divergence, but yeah, totally agree ultimately yeah, yeah. with with what you're saying. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think a lot of times um, I read a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, and the guy like focuses most of the book on bad strategy. <laughs> so I do think that's super critical that you need to know what bad is. You need to know what ugly is. You need to know what. So I, I'm glad you kind of double tapped on that because I focus more on the good, yeah. which is always, oh, we want to attain this. But it's like, what are the bad foods? Like, which food should we never eat? <laughs> that kind of makes the diet a little bit easier, at least for me, who kind of doesn't like super. But yeah, no, I enjoy that. Kind of, yeah, intentionality uh, just to do a, a poor recap there. Of Absolutely. That. All right. Next question. Um, I enjoy kind of digging in to understand what do you disagree, like kind of kind of a contrarian opinion. Do you have any thoughts or opinions that you disagree with others on in regards to marketing and business? You know, everybody says this or they always rebuttal you when you say X. Do you have anything that comes to your mind? Um, unfortunately, I probably covered a lot of it at the front end of your questions. So I think... To, to kind of summarize the thoughts and let me know if there's anything worth expanding on is like, A, I think it's really easy to get caught up just in social media marketing. I think that's um, unfor- kind of a, unfortunately the fault of the education system in a lot of ways. It's like, it just feels like it's like really in front of us. It's the way people are looking at life. And, um, and but there's a lot of other components as, as you know, uh, to marketing a lot of different types of marketing, like growth and, and email marketing and, um, event marketing and, and sorts of things. So I think people tend to over-index on the social media side when there's a lot of other um, strategies to that as well. Um, and then the other thing too is another interesting um, debacle that other marketers get caught up. And again, I think I, I kind of already maybe covered this, but um, it, it should really be like a, a function to support sales. It's I've seen other scenarios where the marketing function is like extremely siloed. They get their own opinions. They're not really talking to sales um, or or coming to any kind of shared conclusions. And so really bringing those two teams together. And again, maybe to give uh, Nima some credit, like Nate and Nick are on calls all the dang time, um, Nate being our CRO. And they're constantly like talking about and debriefing from a conversation, uh, a kickoff call or a discovery call that Nate had. uh, And then Nick's, then taking that information and making it actionable 
whether it be like retargeting or whatever that might be. So um, that, that's probably a, a good one um, that I feel pretty strong about is that like sales and marketing should be talking like all the dang time and not, not be siloed in any capacity. Yeah, totally agree. I think uh, Nick, his definition for marketing was marketing should make sales easier. Yes. So that's feeding in right to what you're saying of the fact that they should be working together where a lead comes in or somebody comes in, a human, um, and they kind of, you know, they don't need to ask as many questions or they've already kind of figured it out through the marketing, through the messaging, through some of those things that, hey, this product's for me, this service is for me. And then sales is much easier. It's much easier then. So I think that's a good way to kind of have, you know, they're not the prettiest metrics, but in the sense, you know, how quick can you close a deal? And certain things that it shows, our marketing's working because we went from three months down to a month and a half now because they're reading through our educational content or our community or all these things. So I think that's really key. And I think one time I heard, a, a, a it wasn't a podcast, it was like a keynote where a guy was given a keynote. He was a CMO and he said, you should know your CRO's favorite coffee. <laughs> like you should I just be so tight to his hip, to her hip, that you just know what kind of coffee they drink because you're meeting together, you're on calls like you, you were talking about. So yeah, no, totally agree with that. But I think a lot of times there is that silo. There's competing interests, competing incentives that don't always line up that then create this marketing versus sales battle compared to, in a sense, that the beautiful dance it could be when they're both kind of working well together. I think that's a, that's a good Yeah, point. it should absolutely never be like us versus them. Um, it's it's very much like this the shared experience. And, and to your exact point, too, it's um, marketing is hopefully in some capacity like disqualifying leads before they even get to the point of talking to, to our CRO. They're, um, they're, they're not just like trying to push people through the funnel. Instead, it's like, actually, no, this, this is not a service that I need. Uh, and then that way, Nate is hopefully only talking to people that are either um, A, like ready to make a buying decision, B, fit, fit one of our personas and, and just need to be maybe like um, convinced is the wrong word, but like an informed that maybe it's a, it's a, um, a good decision. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a retweet moment. I feel I learned that early on more with content that like unsubscribes is really yeah. good. Like the more unsubscribes you can get, the better, because what you're essentially doing is or you should do is have such a strong voice is such a strong brand that the people who don't like you they run super far, but the people who like you, you speak so well to them that it's almost like radiates everybody else. And I think too many people, because it's probably like nature built into us, like we want everybody to like us. Like I want to be part of the tribe. I don't want to be on the outskirts where I think the best advice is to really stand for something that you push everybody else away, but the right people are just pulled to you. And to your point, it makes, you know, sales so much easier. There's less, you know, convincing or even pitching in the sense where it's just like, hey, which plan are we going to get you on? Because you already know I want to be in this. Uh, I, this is for me in that sense. Well, I also had a, a really pivotal moment with the unsubscribe, exactly what you just said too, because I think for a long time early into my marketing career, um, in, in any capacity, I was thinking like, okay, more subscribers is good. Like, let's just drive up the drive up the list. Um, but then you really start to zero in on open rates and how people are interacting with the content. Uh, so much so I saw a tweet recently, uh, Tiago Forte is someone I, I really uh, follow pretty closely He's in like the personal knowledge management space, but um, he runs a, commands a pretty strong email list with some, some pretty motivated buyers who, who ultimately get into his community, but he shared uh, some stats and I wish I had it in front of me, but ultimately he did a kind of like an unsubscribe campaign where it was like, Hey, if you don't, um, open this or like opt back into the list. You're just getting pruned out of it and you're moving on because he just doesn't even want to spend any time writing for people 
that just have zero interest or their email changed or whatever it might be. Like he wants to be certain that like these 10,000 people that are on my list are uh, motivated to read my content. They're interested. It's a fit. Uh, and I just thought that that was so interesting that, 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 that someone would run an unsubscribe campaign, but it really makes sense. It's like a higher degree of intentionality. Uh, you're writing to hopefully 10,000 people that are, are super interested. Yeah. That's, I, I follow Tiago through a different writer that does like the right I'm trying to think of it. Yep. Yep. So I, I know of him, I don't follow Tiago super close. So I didn't see that, but yeah, that's spot on. Cause I think, I think that's super cool. Um, many people don't do that. I mean, I've thought of it and have done some where it's like almost forcing people to click in to subscribe. So it's not like, Hey, if you don't want to be on this list, click here. Cause obviously if they don't care. Um, and I think for me, First off, there's like a uh, kind of a financial reason to do that because most of these email providers are going to slam you based off your contact list. So if you're spending sending to 50,000, there's only 15,000 that actually read it and stuff like you can cut costs very small, like, you know, in the end. But that's even just like a financial kind of a very objective right. or kind of like a kind of a functional standpoint. But then the other side is I think you can build deeper resonance with 15,000 compared to 50,000 or for me, go from 100 to 25. And it's like, I think one of the things is that ego is such like a strong thing that gets in the way of like, I am measured by my followers, you know, because if we go through history, like that's how people are measured, like the American Revolution, like they had more followers or they were able to win out like any, you know, Egyptian guy, like they had a lot of followers. So like we've kind of built in inherently the more, more followers is better. I would argue, you know, higher resonance in a sense, if you want to get super technical, having the few people there buy more rather than always having so many people to try to reach to buy a little bit, I think is just easier to. Yeah. It's, ba it's exactly so yeah, back like to that. what we were saying earlier in the call is, um, you know, you can, you can just, you sure you could blast out to, to 50,000 people, but are, are they interested in buying? Like it's that again, the higher degree of intentionality, not to like keep repeating myself, but um, I, I think there's absolutely value there. And Oh, you're a pour over man. I see as well. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm fancy. I've left the peasantry <laughs> life and now joined the upper ranks of the noble. This soldiers. is the way. No. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, right. Right. Mandalorian. <laughs> this is the way uh, I enjoy. I enjoy you touching on it though, because that's one thing that I find a lot of times, you know, we can talk about these points and let them go off, but I, I enjoy that you're always rooting back to it quickly. I want to ask you just kind of on this trail, what is in marketing or business, probably more in business. What is a big failure, a big mistake you made that now you look back and you're obviously not like happy that the hard drive crashed and you lost, you know, terabytes of data, but it's like, Hey, it built me now where I'm like more operational or I'm more X. Like, does anything come to your mind in the last five, 10, two, three years? Gosh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I don't know if I have, I'll give the greatest answer, but there is one thing that kind of sticks out, uh, distinctly. Um, and this is just like, now it feels like it's probably marketing one-on-one, but this is me being like, uh, early, early into it and, and not really understanding that, like, you can't just take, um, I was working for a company that was ultimately, um, trying to get people to buy and resell technology. And I was responsible for our email list and responsible for, um, in a lot of ways, like growth of not only just the email list, but growth that comes from, um, those potential buyers. And so, um, uh, more probably black hat strategy was, you know, I was just finding lists of emails online or downloading LinkedIn lists, importing them in, blasting it out and seeing what happens. And there was a very, very scary moment where my, you know, my boss came over to me. He's like, 
hey, yeah, our, uh, our, um, our list is flagged here. Like there's ultimately enough people reported as spam because I just threw people into uh, a black bucket and, and blasted out emails to them. So I don't know if that's a, at all more maybe nuanced that you were hoping for, but ultimately I think consent is incredibly important with emails and it's just something to be super cognizant of because um, if that's where you're driving a lot of your growth engine from is, is sending out emails and getting people in and um, you, you get that like a, a slap on the wrist or worst case like ban, like it's, it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes too, it is less of the marketer's fault. Obviously marketing needs to push back, but I've, I've been in some situations where you have to push back because it's some people don't really understand permission led marketing and they just think that's what we should do. We should send all these emails, even if they haven't, you know, subscribed to our list. And it's like, you can't just put people on your email list. Like you have to get an opt in and it, for me, a lot of times it's like, okay, obviously doing something as you were talking about is, you know, at a very high quantity and definitely will result most likely in some sort of uh, issues happening. But even on a small scale of like, oh, I have this person's email. I write a newsletter. Let me just put him in my newsletter list. It's like, uh, you can't do it. And I just think there needs to be a little bit more integrity in marketing. And I, I find that when we do marketing with integrity, it just helps me at least sleep at night um, rather than knowing uh, that I had to do X, Y, and Z to get the result. But like I said, it's sometimes top down, not always a marketer scheming of like, how can I be kind of slimy or gross? Yeah, you're absolutely sense. right. And it's, and yeah, sometimes it is top down and it's, it's just not under, not fully understanding the consequences of your actions in, in that scenario. And um, yeah, I mean, if I get an email from, like, if I get put onto an email list without me opting in, uh, the unfortunate reality is that I'm immediately writing off that that individual or that that business because, of, like, this, um, if if they're willing to just throw me in a list and, and hope that I make some buying decision, I don't know what else they're capable of or what they're going to use my data for or uh, but there's like just a, a fundamental distrust there. So you talked a little bit about at the start of how you did kind of this thing for marketers around writing or just writing. So you can obviously elaborate as we talk more about that. But I just have a question kind of on that is why is learning how to write important for marketers or just for in general? Like why is having good writing skills kind of key nowadays or is it not, I guess, is another question. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it, this is something that's like so fundamental to how I, I think about life and approach life. I, um, I'll give like a, some quick backstory too. Is like I was kind of a fumbling professional at one point. Didn't really know what what my future looked like. I've largely considered myself a generalist in a lot of ways. I'm interested in marketing. I'm interested in operations. I'm I'm actually like oddly interested in sales and growth. And so. Um, that that p puts you at a pretty weird position when you're a young professional, really trying to like carve out your path and and quote unquote climb the ladder and, and find out where you're best best served. And I remember at a certain certain point, I just started like I don't know if it was out of frustration or just wanting to have my name out there more. Um, I just started publishing on on LinkedIn. I've always had kind of an affinity towards writing. I was I was writing when I was a young kid. Um, I was publishing on 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 forums for for fun, like when I was like 13 years old. So like I've always had a kind of an affinity for it. Um, and I uh, took to LinkedIn, and I was just I had all sorts of opinions of of course about how young professionals should carry themselves and operate. And um, I just started publishing and putting it out there. And that was kind of a a really interesting point in my life where I um, realized okay, there is value in in what I'm saying. And not only that too, but um, people were resonating with it. And, and I was like genuinely scared to do this um, because it's like, it's putting yourself out there and that, that hadn't necessarily always came first for me. Uh, but then I, I got that kind of verbal encouragement. Someone at work would be like, hey, I read your post, like that was amazing or, or whatever it might be. 
um, which I think to more circle back to your question is, is that natural evolution was me um, then getting more interested in Twitter and, and um, publishing there and then ultimately led to me starting to create my blog um, and really learning how to, to quote unquote, like market myself in a lot of ways too. And, and that's ultimately, I think fundamentally what, what marketing is. There's, I think there's a, there's like the degree of um, it helping you be more thoughtful in your approach. Like I, I journal just about every day. Um, and it, some days it might be one or two sentences. Some days it might be paragraphs, but it helps me get clarity of thought. But then the other, other um, kind of secondary benefit to it too is that if you're out there publishing every day, um, I have a friend, Paul, that, that quite literally publishes a blog post every day. And I think he has for 700 days or something crazy like that. Um, it's, it's, you're getting, getting more eyes on, on who you are and, and starting to carve out your own professional and personal brand. And uh, ultimately that, that, all of that experience has led me to um, my, my job at NUMA as COO. It led me to my last role uh, on deck. Um, it led me to, um, actually the role, the role before that. And so like all the, the writing and publishing has either directly or inadvertently led me to, um, career opportunity to personal and professional growth. Also then just obviously the, the wins I've learned from just learning how to market myself. And I went from like zero to 2000 followers on Twitter in, in like six months, which again, to your point, isn't, isn't all that it's about. But, um, I think that little community that I built has, has paid dividends in the friendships and the jobs that I've made and, and things like that. So, um, sort of long-winded, but I'm just firm in, in my belief. I think everyone should write. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that boat or on that hill. Definitely willing to die on it. I think zero to two thousand is is a significant amount on Twitter. Twitter is painful to grow uh, because everybody's tweeting and nobody cares like about following like so yeah no I I love that that's a really cool uh, kind of like an outcome that has actually resulted and I think one thing that just to to not distill down what you said in a point to make it you know simplistic because you had a lot of good points in it would highly recommend if you just snooze through that to listen to listen through it fully I will at least I think what ha what it does for me writing and taken from what you said is it helps you figure shit out whether that's, you know, something I'm doing in my job or it's what do I want to do with my life? Like daily writing, frequent writing just helps you take things in your brain and just figure them out, get clarity, I think. And that's for me, the biggest thing that I've gained from writing every day for 30 minutes and journaling is I just have more clarity on where I'm going, what I'm doing and all that. And I think that at minimum, is a benefit I would opt in for others to want to start writing frequently. I don't think daily it needs to be, but just writing more than you currently are uh, will give you more clarity and like how who I I pop, I'd snort some lines to get some more clarity. So if I can just write to do it, like how why not? You know, like you know, there's no drip and it's a little bit easier on the body. But um, oh geez, I think I'm speaking of too much oh, experience funny. here. All right, so. Final three questions. This is a segment that I always do. It started as two questions. We're always pivoting. We're always trying to get better like a mad scientist. So now we got three questions. First question, first two will be marketing related. The final one will be a little bit off. I like to give that preface. All right. First question. What is one thing, and you might've talked about it. What is one thing you've changed your mind on in regards to marketing and business in the last one, two, three, four years? So I believed that because I thought quality or quantity content was a game. Now I firmly believe it's all about quality. Like what is that for you? Yeah. Um, I did, I did kind of touch on it before too, but I really think it is, uh, it's the reality that like you can't just take a, a boilerplate approach to marketing. Like just because something works somewhere doesn't mean it's going to work somewhere else. And like 
Numa's, uh, and that could even just be different company company too. Like Numa has a certain way that we market and, and brand ourselves, um, which is entirely different than some other web and SEO agencies too. So um, can't just can't just copy and paste. You really have to start ground up. Um, look at the fundamentals on like what kind of voice you want and what kind of message you're looking to send, uh, and and really just ultimately build build the marketing strategy around that. So yeah, I, I would never recommend like leaving one marketing job copying the copying the playbook and then pasting it in at, at a new gig yeah no i love it i want to get a shirt that says burn the playbook they say you know burn the ships <laughs> you know burn the playbook because it just doesn't work it can give you kind of insights or whatever to create a new better playbook but bringing the playbook over and running it uh, is most likely going to fail so i like that point Next question. It's based off the idea of the movie Inception. Um, if you've watched it, I'm just going to give oh, a quick yeah. synopsis. So pretty much to the three to four listeners that haven't watched it. So it's about a group of people and they go in people's brains essentially in their dreams and plant ideas. The next day they wake up and they're like, oh, my idea is to sell my company or my idea is to X, Y, or Z. And they believed it. So they incept ideas into people's heads that then they believe is there. So if you could incept one idea in the minds of all the marketers, all the people who do marketing, whether they're in marketing or not, what is that idea that then tomorrow they wake up and they act out of it as if that's their own core belief? Yeah, I think if, first of all, I love, I was wondering how you would, you would position inception. I think you did an excellent job uh, <laughs> summarizing that. Um, but the, if, if I could incept one thing into individuals' minds, uh, or at least individual marketers' minds, it's, um, you should be talking to the customers. Uh, and this is also comes from my background in, in product as well as, as a product manager. But um, if, if you can't fundamentally understand who your customers are, what their problems are, uh, and this, this might be obvious, but like you, you're not going to be able to ever build any strategy or market to them. Uh, and so um, Nick is, is, is super integrated into our, our, our project delivery process. And I think as, as a like byproduct of that, he's able to market that much more effectively. And so, yeah, I would absolutely accept like, you should be regularly having conversations with people that are buying from you and taking that information and, and putting it somewhere. Hell yeah. Yeah, first step is to talk to other customers, which many people haven't. And then second, you can get a little bit better how you talk to them. But I think, yeah, it's so super crucial for people to see the value in it and to start doing it. I want to get like a t-shirt with an old grandma just saying like, you know, speak to your damn customers or something like that. Because it's just <laughs> like, you know, get off my lawn. Like we need to be told it a few times. We know we shouldn't or we should do it, but uh, we fail to as marketers sometimes get out of the boardroom or the marketing room. Yeah, and I don't think like, we should, uh, you know, like we should definitely try to protect our customers' time, not burden them with like a million <laughs> questions. But um, at the same time, too, I think more people are receptive to having chats, um, just just like you and I. You know, like it's it's we as humans are like it's ingrained in us to connect with one another, and more often than not, people are willing to deliver if it's not just feedback, at least have a conversation. And so, yeah, I think it's super valuable as a marketer. Yeah. Minimum too. You can always buy them like an Amazon card. I've done so much dirty things for $25, $15 Amazon cards from random companies before. So if you want to talk to me, I will do it off of that. Okay. Final question. <laughs> what is one thing outside of business and marketing that you do that then improves your ability to come back and do business or marketing? You know, for me, it's going and doing a 30 minute, 15 minute, 20 minute meditation. When I'm done with that, I can kind of come back and I can do marketing and business better. What is that thing outside of business that you do that allows you to do it better? Huh, so interesting. I, I hope this isn't a cop-out answer because it's slightly related to business, but it's also how I approach my entire life is 
I'm huge in this is why I mentioned Tiago Forte earlier. I'm huge in the personal knowledge management space. So like I've got a notion workspace where I've got my entire life in it. So like I've got like my finances, um, I've got um, like, I just, like I said, I just moved recently. I've got my full apartment plan. I'm, I'm very like methodical in my approach and very, very diligent about um, putting things somewhere. And, and again, this applies outside of business too. So like I read, I read all the time and uh, pick up an article or a book and I'll, I'll take notes on it and just tuck it away. I may or may not need it someday, but at least this way um, I'm, I'm keeping my brain like clear and free of like clutter that could be kicking around. And I'm also saving myself valuable time down the road. I'm not like hunting through my history for something or like if a friend asks for help or he's like curious on something, I could just send him something I read. Um, and so like, I think it's, it's super valuable to take your information management seriously, like both personally and professionally. Um, that way too, like, you know, you don't, you don't have to worry or mess up on silly stuff, like forgetting to do your taxes or whatever it might be. Like you have a, a system that works. And I think the, the tail end effect of that is that I can then when I unplug from work, I can truly unplug because I know things are where they need to be. I know where I'm going to find things. Um, and then I can relax and then probably more directly answer your question, probably play some call of duty with my friends or something like that. Truthfully, hey. And just like not have to worry at all. Hmm. I like that. I'm glad you really took us through the full length of the question. Cause just call of duty at the start would have been insufficient. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Dummy, you no know, justice. right. Well, you know, I got friends who play video games and I, and I get it. It's just like the reasoning of how you phrase that was really good. I like that. All right. Now, those are the three final questions. So the final section, I'd just like to open it up. You can kind of plug if you have, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, anything that you want people to find you, the three to four listeners, here's your chance to take the stage and kind of plug yourself into the outlet. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So you can find me on, on Twitter. Like I mentioned, I used to post a lot more, but still post every once in a while. Then that's at Colin McGrath, um, which I'm sure you can find in the show notes because my name's um, surprisingly hard to spell. Um, so at, at Colin McGrath, and then of course, if you're interested in website SEO, check out Numa Media. We're a great group of excited um, and, and extremely hardworking individuals, and um, yeah, I think those are the, the two best spots to find me. Truthfully, yes, I will have those in the show notes for, like I said, the three to four people that want to check it out. So thank you, uh, Colin, for coming on. I really appreciate the conversation. I had a ton of fun, man. Thanks, Jordan. This was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> Take care. This is the end of the podcast.